0: And welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everyone. Okay, I've got a case out of Mansfield tonight that sounds like an episode of Law & Order. Oh. Yeah, it's a story where the plot turns and twists. Victims become suspects. Suspects become victims. But... Unlike most Law & Order episodes, this case is so complex, authorities could never unravel it. It all began with what seemed to be a simple, nonviolent crime. In April of 1983, the weekly police blatter in the Mansfield News Journal told of a 19-year-old man who was arrested for taking some car parts from a local auto shop. The garage was owned by 45-year-old Virgil Cates of Park Avenue West and Cates himself spotted the burglar who was pulling a cart loaded with the stolen parts. Cates called police and police followed the man to a residence where they took another 33-year-old man into custody for possession of stolen property. One month later, A big story hit Mansfield. The city had turned out to be the center of a rather large auto theft ring. Police announced the arrest of 14 people with warrants out for another 27. Authorities described the gang as loosely knit, but organized and reaching even into Kentucky and Indiana. And among those arrested, Virgil L. Cates, the owner of the garage, that had been the victim of a heist the month before. So he's he's getting stuff stolen from him, but now he's implicated in this. In this theft ring, absolutely. Now, Cates was a lifelong resident of Mansfield. He owned two businesses in town, Cates Auto Wrecking and Cates Speed Shop. He was a member of the National Hot Rod Association. He was well-known in classic automobile circles, and he was a member of the local Moose Lodge. He lived in town with his wife, Sophia, and they had a son and a daughter. Now, the sting had been five months in the making. Police called it Operation Buckeye, and it began that year, January 5, 1983, when Mansfield Police Patrolman Robert Lemon recovered a stolen truck and found other stolen auto parts inside. As they worked to gather some evidence in that arrest, they realized it wasn't an isolated incident. Over the next five months, they tied that case to the thefts of 38 other stolen vehicles from Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. They recovered what today would be the equivalent of nearly a million dollars worth of stolen product. Mm. Now, the thefts ring's usual MO was to steal cars and trucks from dealer's lots, usually high-end General Motors products like four-wheel drive trucks, Corvettes, and Camaros. They would then strip them, and either sell or use the parts to alter other stolen vehicles. So these are brand new vehicles, and they're just stripping them all down? They're creating these Frankenstein automobiles okay. yeah, see. so that they together can't together be different. traced. Gotcha. Exactly. Uh, but they also stole vehicles to fill customer orders, presumably customers who knew what they were doing, because a customer would put out the request for a specific type of vehicle. And they would go get it. They would go get it and deliver it two or three days later. Now, most of the cases in this sting wrapped up quickly. By September, most of the defendants, including Virgil Cates, had pled guilty. Clearly, Cates wasn't a ringleader. For his role, he was fined $2,500 and placed on three years probation. But ultimately, he might have paid the biggest price of all because two months later, Cates was dead. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. On November 29, 1983, Cates left his home about 6 p.m. to go to work at his garage on Grace Street. That was normal. He often worked after hours and even into the early morning. Cates' wife, Sophia, didn't even become alarmed until she woke the next morning to realize her husband had never made it home. At about 8.30 a.m., she drove to the garage. The door was unlocked, which was unusual. She knew her husband always latched the door and inside she found her husband lying on the ground next to a Volkswagen that he had been working on. Police arrived to find Cates had been shot twice in the head, execution style, and with burns over about 80% of his body. It looked as if someone had doused him with a flammable material and set it afire. Their investigation that day revealed that Cates' other business on Spring Mill Street had also been broken into, a side door to that building was found standing wide open. I wonder if that was just a sign that somebody was looking for him and that was yeah. the first place they checked. Yep. Adding to the wild twist in this story, there was another murder that night just 12 miles away. In Crestline, authorities were investigating the shooting death of 25-year-old Marvin Carroll Jr. He and his family lived in a trailer next to the home of his parents on Bower Avenue. That night about 11 p.m., his parents had heard a commotion in their front yard and looked outside just in time to see two men in a car pulling away from their son's prone body. He had been shot twice in the chest and once in the head with a 25 caliber handgun. His wife and young daughter were sleeping inside the trailer at the time and were unharmed. The police seemed to settle very quickly on the idea that Carroll had been killed in a robbery, possibly related to drugs. An unspecified amount of money was taken. But it is really hard not to go down the rabbit hole with this one, Steve, because Marvin Carroll worked for a Crestline auto wrecking company that was among those identified as part of the auto theft ring. Carroll was never indicted or charged himself in that case though his employer was, and it's really hard not to see a connection between his death and the death that very same night of Cates. Back in Mansfield, investigators were trying to piece together the events surrounding the death of Virgil Cates. His body had been found partly under a 1979 Fiat that he had apparently been working on. The Fiat was also fire-damaged. There were no signs of a struggle. He had been shot with a small caliber weapon. The weapon was not recovered, but there were two spent shells on the garage floor. Nothing was taken from the garage, not the $12 in his pocket, not the watch that was still on his wrist, and not the several hundred dollars in cash that were still in the building. There had been no reports of Kates receiving any threats, and police were quick to say that Kates had not worked with them. "'as an informant in the theft ring. "'The garage was attached to an apartment complex, "'but residents there and others living in the area "'of Gray Street and 9th Avenue "'did not report any unusual activity that night. "'As I said before, Cates had dabbled in auto racing "'and classic automobile circles for 25 years, "'and he had extensive contacts all over the country. "'That made it really hard to narrow down a potential suspect.' Detectives also had to interview everyone who was indicted in that theft ring. Every interview just added to the complexity of the case. Authorities couldn't even agree on whether Kate's body was intentionally burned. The coroner said the body had been doused with a flammable substance, and the detectives originally thought the fire was set to destroy evidence. But a closer inspection had police believing Kate was smoking a cigar when he was shot in the back of the head and that the cigar may have ignited some gasoline. The fire was confined to the engine compartment of the car before it burned itself out, of course, in addition to burning Cates, who was lying next to the engine. Anyway, the case went cold fast. On December 3, police told reporters they had absolutely no suspects, and they insisted there was nothing to tie the murders of Cates and Mansfield with that of Carol and Crestline. Both men had been killed by 25 caliber guns, but not the same gun. In January of 1984, an anonymous donor posted a $5,000 reward for info in the Virgil Cates case. Mansfield, Detective David Messmore said he hoped it would inspire someone to come forward. At that time, Messmore said there was no basis to think a hitman had killed Cates. The police had checked every lead and only came to dead ends and that most folks had cooperated with requests for lie detector tests, but that effort turned up nothing. As word of the reward circulated, it seemed like something might shake loose. In February of 1984, a telephone tip led Mansfield police to take a trip to Houston, Texas. Two men originally from Bucyrus, Ohio, Patrick Fast and Steve Massey, were in jail related to a murder there. The detectives wouldn't say what prompted their interest in the Houston case, but it was intriguing enough that they were sent to question them about both Cates and Carol. Yet again, a dead end. That trip led to nowhere, pun intended. And while the men were questioned about Carol, police were still convinced the two murders weren't connected. That was stated by Crestline Police Chief Gerald Dahl in 1983 and repeated 16 years later in 1999 by then-Police Chief Dave Smith. Smith had reopened the Carroll case and had received many new tips, but time had taken its toll. He told the Mansfield News Journal he was having trouble finding pictures of two suspects that he was 99% sure had killed Carroll in Crestline. He needed photos of the men from 1983 to show to witnesses, but pictures of them from that era were elusive. He told a reporter, I was one good snitch away from getting his men. He also said there was a lot more to the Carroll case than the public knew and that the matter was far more complicated than it appeared on the surface. But he reiterated the long-held belief that the execution-style murders of two men with connections to an auto-theft ring on the very same night in 1983 was a complete and utter coincidence. Well, that's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. And may all of your mysteries have happy endings. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.